At InDigital, we know the public safety professionals hold themselves to a high standard. In fact, standard doesn't do it justice. In over 25 years working alongside you, carrying millions of calls over our IP networks, your dedication has inspired us. That's why our ESI net goes beyond industry standards, not only I3 compliant, but designed to adapt to future development for a network you can count on when it matters most. Learn more at indigital.net. Rapid Deploy believes that every public safety agency, regardless of size, should have access to the data they need when it matters most. That's why since 2016, our mission has been to reduce emergency response times and improve public safety. We are the industry's only integrated emergency response platform. Our web-based cloud platform includes analytics, mapping, dispatch, and mobile apps, purpose-built for 911 in the 21st century. Visit www.rapiddeploy.com to learn how we enable effective, efficient, data-driven emergency response. If Within the Trenches has ever taught you something, open your eyes to what it is like to be a 911 dispatcher or has inspired you to become one, then help support us and join our Patreon. Get exclusive bonus content, one-of-a-kind swag, discounts on merchandise, ad-free early access to new episodes, and much more. To join, please visit patreon.com slash WTT podcast. And if you're an industry partner, we have something for you as well. And now for the show. This is Jordan, and you're listening to the Code 7 Podcast Network. Warning. This episode contains the three A's of podcasting. Adult content, adult language, and awesomeness. You've been warned. Imagine you're at home. The sun is shining, and you are outside. As you play with your kids, the car screeches up. Now imagine you're 911, taking a call from a mom who just ran inside with her kids after her strange husband showed up drunk and is beating on the door. The officer is almost there. You hear the screams over the phone, and the officer checking out is alone and your spouse. This is what it's like within the trenches. In this episode, you will hear stories from the I Am 911 movement, a movement I started to fight the reclassification of dispatchers from clerical to protective and bring awareness of the types of calls that I own dispatchers answer on a daily basis. This is round two of virtual Imagine Listening. Now, you heard the warning at the beginning, but I must warn you again and add that if you suffer from PTSD or have suicidal tendencies, you are listening at your own risk. The stories you're about to hear are all true and come from the dispatchers who lived them. While some stories have a good outcome, the majority are horrifying. This is our reality. Your worst day is our every day. So let's start with a bang. I want you to imagine each story. Become the dispatcher who has taken each call and imagine listening. So my story is 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. This is back when I was a single dispatcher, small town. We handled police, fire, ambulance. Um, I was active on the fire department, the EMS department for that town as well. It was a sad day. 
and took a 911 call. Screaming voice saying, my son's been bit by a dog. Not a normal thing, but it's not that unique of a type of call. Now one rings again. Put that call on hold. Someone calling from a house saying a boy's been bit by the dog. It's at my house. Disconnect with the first caller. Get back to the second caller. Get my police, fire, and ambulance rolling. As I'm talking with them, the dog bit the boy in the throat. Unprovoked, it was just one of those random things. The dog was protecting the home. The kid went in through a back door. And the tough part about it was it was hearing the mom know that her son was attacked but not knowing how bad it was. And I had one of my rookie officers only been on the job less than a year. He was first one on scene. The whole time I'm there, I'm trying to figure out, because we didn't do EMD at the time, mm-hmm. how do I give help? They're at the far end of town. We're a call department. It's going to take... Even on a normal day, 10 minutes for an ambulance to get on scene. Trying to tell them, get a towel, put pressure, but don't put pressure because it was right at the throat. It was one of the most helpless feelings I've had ever. Um, I was an EMT, so I knew this stuff. Um, I had to roll fire department because they said, we're going to go for a bird. So we get the, them going, all that. The toughest part about the whole thing was the child ended up dying. I was a single dispatcher. No one could relieve me. This was over at 1 o'clock. My shift ended at 4. The only one that checked up on me was the wife of the fire chief. I still had press calling me all day long. I still had to continue with alarm calls and, you know, other medicals, the ability to just let that moment hit me and live with it didn't happen. And I worked the next day. Guess what? This is a newsworthy story from my area. Everyone kept calling. They ended up having critical incident stress and I wasn't even invited on that. Um, And I was involved with critical incident stress before and from the fire side. And it was one of those. It took me over a week before it hit me because I was like, okay, well, this is the job. We've never had critical incident stress. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't do EMD. And it was not something they wanted to look into because that was a liability. Because you got one dispatcher. You're not going to tie up one dispatcher on EMD at the same time having to turn off of the ambulance and all that. So it was just very frustrating going, I know there are resources out there that will help people, but we're not pursuing it. That there's resources out there to help us as professionals that we weren't taking advantage of. And... I've been lucky with my career that nothing's really stuck with me. 
uh, I've had, um, you know, good resources, good friends to help out. Um, so when the moments arise, I feel comfortable that I'm going to be able to step up and handle it. But I also know that these are moments that are important and I've taken that to heart. Now I'm a supervisor at a regional center and any incident, whether it be minor, but it could be personal to major, I am telling my people, all right, we are good. Get off the floor for five minutes, get some fresh air. I'm checking up on them days later. I'm letting them know that you don't have to talk to me. You don't have to talk to the boss. There are other people you can talk to. Let me know. I will find that for you. You don't have to go alone. So it's taken, it's benefited me for what I'm helping in the future. Thank you, man, for, for sharing that. It feels, do you ever feel like just, just listening, you know, to you talk about all of this, do you ever feel like maybe in some weird way it was, it was meant for you to go through some of this so that those later on could benefit in a way from, from what you learned, from what you experienced. Like you said, now with other people, you're checking in on them, something that didn't happen with you, you know, something that you didn't get. And I mean, you're doing, that's awesome. That is, that is excellent that you're putting yourself in that position to make sure that they are getting what they need. And that is, I, I applaud you. Well done. Did, uh, did have things changed since then? I mean, are, are there, is there more debriefings that you, you are all getting put into? Like maybe, you know, with yourself, you know, are you suggesting like, look, we had this uh, call that happened. These people need to be in there with them. One of the things I was proud of back when I was with regional, I was able to push the chief into inviting us for the debriefing. And that specific debriefing that I pushed us into the team, they went around the room and of course they asked who you are and I identified myself in the role I had in it. They stopped. The leader says, this is one of the few times we have had the dispatcher in a debriefing with us. And this is a local team. And they're like, this is the most important person because they start the process. They're the ones that take the call. They're the ones that tell you where to go. They have so much information that we don't have about the story. That is, is, you guys should be proud that you invited dispatchers. And because of those two things, the rest of the time we were at the center, we continue with the debriefing. Now as a regional, we are separated from the fire and EMS. We're our own entity. They still have the debriefings, but it's on the terms of the fire department and the EMS and police. Um, so it doesn't happen as well as it could, as soon as it could. Uh, which should be like right after the incident. But we've had incidents where the state police came out who has a team and the chief who remembers me from back in that day made it a point to send someone from that team said, I want you to go to dispatch center. Here's the address. These are the people on. They're only on till seven. Go check in with them. So at least they're okay. Cause he knew we were, isolated and we were only on the job maybe a year year and a half 
when that incident happened, that was an officer involved shooting. Mm-hmm. So luckily the push that we had helped it for the rest of the time I was at that singles dispatch center. It carried over a little bit. Unfortunately, it's not as well as it should be. Um, and I know my state association is very active where they're trying to create a dispatch team. Um, and there's other teams within the Commonwealth that are setting up as well. Cause it's kind of frustrating when you do a debriefing and a uh, talking to a police officer, you're talking to a firefighter who's never been behind the desk. Right. Um, one of the things is, uh, one of the authors I like to read is Stephen King. And I said, you can read Stephen King and he doesn't write gory words, but his descriptions are so descriptive that you paint a picture in your mind. And that's what dispatch is. I'm painting a picture in my mind of what's happening so I can help these people. And sometimes my pictures are worse than what it reality is. So, yeah, I, I fully agree. I, I have said the same thing to people before. And, and that's a, that's a good, um, a good description there of someone who writes stuff that you're right. It, the, the words, man. Yeah. That's one of my favorite authors. And uh, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> that is definitely a, a way, you know, to, to really think about it. That is what happens. Our, our minds create something that can very much be worse than what it is um, that is going on right there. Thank you again, man, so much for, for coming on and, uh, and sharing your story. Uh, please go back into the, to the comments and, and see, you know, what everyone has there. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. And uh, for the job that you do, and I will make sure to shoot you an email so I can get this out there to you. I appreciate it. And I hope uh, I was enough to encourage others. Perfect. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Enjoy. Thank you again for for sharing that. Um, I'm glad that things are are definitely changing, you know, that that there are more um, centers out there that are bringing in their dispatchers and call takers to um you know to be part of those debriefings because it's it's very important i know when i was in dispatch we didn't get to do a lot of those and we always wondered um why the hell not like why were we not there you know we're 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 definitely feeling a lot of what's going on there it started with us and uh you know we're dealing with some shit too so why are we not there So this story probably happened six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, get a phone call. It's screaming. All I hear is screaming. Um, it's a woman and a male screaming. It didn't sound like a disturbance, but I knew something was wrong. So I immediately, we dispatch police, fire, and EMS in our center. So I have police going already because i'm like something's wrong and then i hear the mom say the baby fell in the pool so they are so hysterical i have to give them the instructions to get the baby out of the pool then they're yelling at each other who wasn't watching while i'm trying to get their attention to start cpr Because at this point, they're like, the baby's lips are blue. The baby's not breathing. She's four months old. And it was like, okay, I need somebody who can do CPR. I can give you the instructions. I'll walk you through it. 
Um, it took our fire four and a half minutes to get there. Those four and a half minutes, the parents screamed and yelled at each other. Not a single one of them were listening to me. We did not start CPR. Firefighters get on scene, happens to be somebody I'm a friend with. Um, so I ended up getting to know the result of this call, but it was one where firefighters scooped up the baby and immediately met the ambulance and they took off, got to the hospital in six minutes. So 10 minutes passed, 10 and a half, maybe 11 baby ended up not making it. That was my first child death that I had. It was my first one where CPR was needed and I didn't get to perform it because the parents were too busy yelling at each other. Um, it was the first one where I truly felt helpless because normally you give CPR instructions, you know, you're doing all you can do. But when you can't get anyone to listen to you and you know there's a child laying on the ground not breathing and you can help them, that was incredibly hard. I can see where listening to you tell the story, um, if it were me, um, I, I feel like I would have started, you know, as a lot of us do, blaming ourselves, you know, thinking... Was there, was there anything else I could do while they're yelling at each other? You know, could, could I have said something that maybe would have changed the outcome? And I, I think you and I even talked about it a little bit on, on the episode that we did where we were talking about how, you know, things like that happen where we're very, very critical of our, of ourselves. And uh, yes. you know, eventually we realized that we did all we could. And just like you, you did everything you could. Thank you. So much for for sharing and coming on and, and sharing um after the call though was there was there anything that happened was there any um any other information you ended up finding out um you know debriefing anything that was there no the real there was no formal debriefing um i it was one i'm in a big center so we split call taking and dispatching. There's always multiple call takers on the floor. So afterwards, I was able to get up and walk out of where I was. I, at that point, was working in a separate clean room from everybody else so that I have less of a COVID risk than being with the large group of people. But luckily, one of my supervisors noticed I had gotten up like I had left my position mm -hmm. and came and found me. And so I was able to debrief with him. And then our QA department, I went to them and was like, look, I need to know if there was anything else I could have done. Mm -hmm. Like was what I did enough or was there something I could have said? I tried talking quieter. I tried screaming. I tried yelling at the parents, saying all sorts of things to get their attention. And they, I don't know if they had me on speakerphone or if they had just set the phone down, but it was, they were like, you did everything you could. Yeah. And so for those four and a half minutes until my firefighters got on scene, 
it was me listening to them screaming and praying somehow I would hear a baby cry in the background. With you asking your, you know, QA department and all about that, what was there anything else that they had given you or did they just say, no, you, you did everything you could do not take this. This is not your fault. This is on the parents because they didn't say anything. It was mostly that, um, they were, they played the call back for me, mm -hmm. which was actually really hard to listen to, but mm -hmm. very helpful because I was able to see, and they were like, what else would you have done? They're like, tell us if you say you would have done something else or you should have done something else. What is that? And I couldn't come up with an answer for them. And they're like, that's how you know you've done everything you could. You got everybody going as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. You did everything you could. You were ready to give CPR instructions if somebody would listen. But you couldn't. But it's still probably one of the hardest calls I've had. And it's still always kind of in the back of your mind. What if? Thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing it. And, and I have no doubt that everyone who has shared a story that will share a story tonight. And if you share a story in the comments and I read those, those who go back and they end up listening to this, um, they're going to get something out of it. So thank you so much. All right. Well, uh, Facebook reminded me in my memories uh, about a year and one week ago, I, uh, I got a save. It came in through the uh, suicide hotline. They had a caller. They had the coordinates that came into one of my uh, smaller towns that I dispatched for. And, uh, you know, we took the number, did some research, and the, used the coordinates they gave us. And uh, I dispatched patrol to that address. And then I also called. And I was talking to the gentleman. And uh, he had confirmed with me that he was having those kind of thoughts. And uh, and I was I was confirming that he was at the address. And when patrol arrived, the uh, husband and wife that answered the door were like, "We didn't we didn't call. You know, there's no problem here." And so patrol was about to clear and was like, "You know, we uh, they're saying there's nothing wrong here. They didn't call." And I was like, "The gentleman just hung up from me. Is there anyone else in the house?" Because Everything that I have here is telling me that that guy is in that house. And so patrol asked, you know, is anyone else in the house? And it's like, well, we just started renting a, a spare room in the back of the house to, to, to a, a, a friend or whatever. So they went back to check on him and they uh, they had to cut him down. He, as, when he hung up, he went and put the, the belt around his neck and uh, he survived. But, you know, I was I was really close to giving up the of the career you know mm -hmm. and it was through counseling and your i am not on program that uh, kept me in the game and so my save that night and patrol save is also part of your save ricardo because you you had a lot of a lot to do with getting keep me in the job so that's my i am not one story for tonight so much for the, for the job that you that you do and you know for coming on and, and sharing this story and uh it's it's been awesome man it's it's been good and and like again 
the fact that you're you're still with it that you didn't give up and uh and you kept I'm going. going for 40 for 40 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i figured i'm brand new again as, as a reborn so i had 20 go. i'm going for another 20. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome dude thank you so much man for that that uh kind of got me in the feels there <clears throat> an excellent story thank you for for coming on and sharing it how are um, you doing i'm doing good i just want to if my dog is in the room with me so if you hear a bunch of whining that's not me in general it's the dog so okay <laughs> well, welcome thank you um my story is just a, a little bit different mm -hmm. it has to deal with myself and an officer um it was a day I was working and it was about 15 minutes before shift ended. I was ready to get out of there. I didn't want to answer any more phone calls. I'm, I just wanted to be done. Um, I picked up one phone call and it was an officer. And he asked me, he told me that the jail number is busy. And uh, if it would be possible if I could just call over there and check warrants. And so, you know, I'm in a hurry to get home or whatever I had to do, which at this point I'm sure was not important. Um, so I said, okay, okay, hold on. And then as soon as I put him on hold and I'm talking to myself, I'm going, we don't have any secret number to the jail. It's going to be the same number that he dialed. So chances are if it's busy for him, it's going to be busy for me. Or did he even really call or, you know, they, they get used to calling us to do everything instead of just doing it themselves. So I was a little bit irritated already. And I wanted to go home. So I called the jail, went right through. The line was not busy. Checked the warrants, got back on the phone. And I told him, I said, I said the jail, you know, answered right away. It was negative. The guy didn't have any warrants. And he said, thank you. And I said, you know, I just kind of said, thanks. And I hung up. And for anybody who knows me, at the end of every phone call with an officer, I always say, be careful. That's my signature line. Sorry, I'm getting <laughs> emotional. Okay. Um, just be careful. That's all I say. I don't say goodbye. I just say, be careful. And so my shift ended. I kept, you know... I told a couple people in the room, I said, can you believe you would call in and have me check warrants, thinking the line's busy when we don't have any secret line? You know, I was just making a complaint about, you know, we're not their secretaries. Mm -hmm. They they could be able to do some of this stuff. So I went on home, and I was just sitting at home, really doing nothing. And I get a call on my phone a few hours later. It's almost two hours exactly. The officer had been shot. And I said, who was it? And it was him. And it just took me really off guard. Um, the first time we had this I Am Listening class in August, I think it was, was the day before his anniversary. So it's like every year it comes up again. And I, I just hate myself for how 
how I am and you know how can I be upset for doing for him asking me to do my job it was my job he asked me to do it he asked me politely he wasn't rude but yet I had this horrible attitude about me wanting to help him and I the next day I went to work of course all hands on deck and I played back the phone call and I did not tell him to be careful I just said goodbye and it's it's not that um, you know I don't know what gets me worse is just that the fact that my last conversation with him I was a complete bitch in other words I was rude I mean I didn't sound rude when I played the phone call back but when he was on hold and in my mind I was irritated at him so you know, all these officers and all these guys and gals that are on the road, they're our family. They're our kids when we're working. I wasn't there when the acts happened. It was a domestic-related incident, and it was just by freaky coincidence that he was even there. But, um, you know, I just feel responsible that, in my mind, the last conversation I had with him, I was a horrible person. Sorry. And... I don't want I don't want to be that person and so now I just want to you know I just try to really be careful about even if I'm in a hurry even if I want to go home that I use the world I use the word be careful every time and I never say goodbye and I just wanted to share that with everybody and it, it just sucks that it comes around every year because there's always an anniversary and that's the one thing that always goes through my mind. So thanks for letting me share. Of course. Um, Thank you for coming on and, and having you know the courage to come on and, and to share the story. This is this is the this is the first step, you know, taking taking that moment to share something like this that, that's hard that you know. You know, for me, I, I, I buried a lot of calls. And when I started sharing more situations and everything that was going on, I, I was able to process it better. I was able to talk to others, um, you know, better about it as well. And to tell those who I was working with that it's okay to talk about things, that it's okay not to be okay. And, you know, just looking at the comments in, in here as well, you know, everyone, we're all here to support each other. That's what this is all about. And, and it's, this is a good thing that, that you were able to, to share this because others as well, you know, they will, they will learn from these calls, from these experiences. Um, you know, people here saying, you know, slowly it'll get better. You know, hugs, we're here for you. You're among people who know what this job is about and what it entails and, and how we can definitely blame ourselves for a lot of things that, that are not our fault. But of course, we because we want to help so much and we want to do so many things and we can't physically be there or you know maybe the conversation didn't go a certain way of course we're going to be critical on ourselves but we have to get past that part to realize that it's not our fault and that it is it is okay so again thank you so much for coming on and sharing this thank you thank you for letting me have a place to 
you know, to share it with people of my peers who know what I've been going through. You know, after 20 years, we all have stories that we can tell. But this one, you know, is at Curtin 2016, and it still gets me every year. I seem to do okay throughout the year, and then come August, and the news starts carrying the stories again. And, you know, I feel for his family and his small kids. And to think that was, you know, was I the last one to talk to him, you know, on the radio or, or on the phone that day, I don't, I don't know, but I just hate, I hated about myself that that's how I treated him. I didn't in, in his work, in, you know, on the playback and stuff, I was fine. I was professional and polite and everything, but in my mind, it was just, it wasn't at all. And that's what gets me the most. I think that's, I think that's what it is, especially because you, you played it back and, and you could hear it. You know, you, you're, you've got it in your head that it was um that it was worse and, and i i can see myself you know doing the same thing because we do we do do that we do have banter back and forth where we say things like that and uh you know it's we're just playing around and stuff and then you know things happen or whichever but it's getting better i mean here you are talking about this with all these people who are, are commenting and listening and loving on you like no other because <laughs> we're all here together supporting each other so this is this is amazing to be able to do this so again thank you so much thank you <clears throat> excuse me so the caller was about 23 weeks pregnant with a son and she called because she had delivered a leg uh, just brave, calm. I was falling apart on the inside. Um, what she didn't know the whole time was that I was 21 weeks pregnant with a son. Based on everything I had learned up until that point and in my birthing classes, I knew that there was a very small chance of survival. Um, get to the hospital and I find out later that night that she in fact delivered a boy. He survived less than half an hour and she was an acquaintance of my sister's. In 17 years I had been up until that point that is the only time I have thrown my headset down and left. Thankfully we had two people there but I had to go out in the stairwell and I sobbed for about half an hour. I think the only thing that kept me calm sounding with her was, and I feel guilty for it, but I could feel my son moving the whole time. And now every year on my son's birthday, I think of him. Thank you for, for sharing that. Was there was there anything that you were other than than going to be alone for that moment, which was which was good, which was excellent that you were that you had a chance to go. A lot of people don't get that chance, but you were able to go and just let it out instead of going right to the next call. Um, did you go right back in, or did. Did, they, did they pull you off, or did they did was there any any type of talk or, or anything that that happened afterward 
there was an informal talk afterwards between myself, my shift mate, and our supervisor. But that, but that was it. How long ago did this happen now? <laughs> it's been three and a half years. Almost four. <sighs> Those... Those are definitely the ones, you know, that, that, that stick with us. And I can see how, you know, every year on your son's birthday that it comes back up. And, but I think, I think, and in, in maybe you can, you know, you can correct me if I, I'm wrong here, but the fact that you were also, you know, pregnant and such, you were able to handle the call probably differently than, than I might have been able to because in a sense you were able to relate more you know to to the caller right okay. so you were you were there with her in in a in a way that I I don't think I would have been able to you know there's I can say everything but there's a difference probably in maybe even the tone of my voice and your voice where you were relating with that person and that's what we do right because we're empaths yeah. we, we put ourselves in their shoes to relate and, and, and help them as well as the rest of the responders, everyone involved. And I'm a firm believer that our experiences in life, um, they help us in certain situations. And, and, and with this, this type of call, especially with, with another mother, you were able to really relate and, and, and comfort this person. And then, you know, afterwards, of course, you're able to go off and just let it go. Yeah. Thank you for, for, for sharing this story. And I have no doubt that others who listen to this and those who are on here right now, um, are going to learn from this. They're going to take something back from it. You know, just just looking at the comments here, you know, that mom had someone with her when she was suffering and didn't have to do it alone. You're a blessing. You taking that call and being there for her, being a blessing. So thank you so so much for sharing that story for for coming on all of you for for having the courage to come on and and share these stories to not only help, you know, yourselves, but also those who are out there who are going to listen to this and, and those who have registered who will come back to, you know, watch the replays. Again, that's why we do this. That's why, that's why we're sharing these stories. You know, when, in the beginning, when I very first started doing Imagine Listening back in, you know, 2017, I wasn't sure how this was going to go. I, I wasn't sure if people were going to want to share. Um, for me, it was therapeutic to share stories, and it, it always has been, which is why this continues to build and build and build. Um, so, so when it came down to doing Imagine Listening and, and doing this in Indiana for the first time at the Nina Apco conference, um, <laughs> nobody nobody wanted to share the room was packed it was standing room only people had heard about what i was going to be doing 
but they weren't sure what to expect. And, and, and neither was I. Um, and I, I remember being up on stage with, uh, with my friend, Rob, um, McMullen. And, uh, you know, I asked him if he could help me with it. And I did the intro and I asked if anybody wanted to share an I am now one story. It was crickets. And it was what I thought was going to happen right in the beginning. And, uh, then I, I got on the microphone and I said, if any of you want to write down a story, if you write it down, I'll read it for you. We both will. And the moment I said that, all you heard was paper ripping because people were sharing strips of paper from their notepads. Pens were going around. There were so many stories that were coming in. And we were just reading them and reading them and reading them. And then one person stood up to read a story or to say their own story on the microphone. And then more and more. And I was, I was taken back by the amount of support and just the feeling in that room, everyone sharing these powerful stories. And it's been going on at different conferences ever since then. And it's been just as powerful. It has been amazing to have all of you on here to share these stories that people don't get to, to hear and, and to realize what it's really like for all of you when you're taking that call, that you're not a drone, that you're right there with the caller throughout the entire call. So again, thank you. This has been such an amazing experience. So one of the very first 911 calls that I ever took was from a five-year-old little boy named Billy. And as, as, as much as five-year-olds can explain what's happening, uh, I gathered very quickly that his mom and dad were into a domestic situation. Um, and I could, he, he was crying and he was begging me to get somebody to help his mommy. He said, my daddy keeps hitting her. My daddy keeps hitting her. And of course, you know, I put the call in and got it dispatched out. And it took them about seven minutes to get there, which we all know when you're on a call like that, it just, it feels like an eternity. And it, and it probably felt even longer than a poor little Billy. Um, but the one thing that stands out to this day is that over Billy crying and asking me to send help, I could hear the punches. I could hear each and every punch that that dude threw on his wife. And I could hear Billy and, and he told me that he was hiding in the closet and he was crying and he just kept begging and pleading for me to send somebody. And here I am 20 years later. And that call is one of the calls that stays with me. You know, there's only one other call that I can remember that, that has stayed with me this long. And that was when I lost a trooper. Um, but the, but that call from a five-year-old just begging and pleading for help that just, that stays with me forever. As long as I've been doing this, it's, it's just, it's, it never goes away. Thank you for sharing that. And, and, and you're, you're right. There's, there's a lot of calls that don't go away, but yeah. the more we talk about them, the easier it is to manage it 
and there yeah there's going to be times where, where we will hear things and it'll bring some of those calls back but i i think it gets it gets easier the more that we talk about it and and oh yeah absolutely thank you and, and you know and again it wasn't my fault that it took seven mm -hmm. minutes for them to get there and and you know that's what i try and tell everybody that that says you know i feel like i was at fault somehow it wasn't your fault it wasn't my fault it was daddy's fault for making the choice to beat mama in front of billy i, I think sometimes you know uh, some of the calls that we take um in a way were you know kind of meant for us to take some of those calls especially when later on when you have a, a similar call you're able to handle that probably better than somebody else because you have that experience or you right. can talk to someone who has had a similar call dealing with the same feelings and you can tell them i went through the same thing let me tell you how how it can it can help you to make things better and you know i don't i don't know if anybody else does this you know 20 years later i wonder whatever happened to billy you know did yeah. did mama and him get away from that situation how did he grow up? Did he grow up messed up? But, but, you know, those are things that we never know because that's the line of work we're in. Right. We never get the closure. I want to thank everyone who joined me for the Imagine Listening session virtually over Crowdcast. I can't explain what it was like to have all of you in there even virtually, every single one of these stories was so powerful. And I know that those who listen to every story that was shared will get something out of it. We were here for each other and support. And this is the first step. By sharing these stories, we are we're getting some sort of some form of closure. And we're healing together. So thank you again for everything, for sharing these stories and for the continued support in each other. It was in the Trenches podcast. Imagine listening in the I Am 901 movement. For those who are listening, if you have any comments, questions, or you want to be a guest on the show, you can email us, and that'll be wttpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. That is at 91podcast. You can like us on Facebook. That is facebook.com slash within the trenches podcast. This episode has been sponsored by InDigital as well as Rapid Deploy. And this can be heard 24-7 on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, your favorite podcasting app, and within the trenches.net. Have a good one, everyone.